0: You're listening to a podcast from River City Church of Jacksonville, Florida. For more audio and video podcasts, visit rccjacks.com. In the middle, right, okay. My on? Yeah? Hello. Um, welcome to River City Church. If you uh, weren't here at the beginning, uh, it's great to see you. Great to have you here today. Uh, when Ali is mentioning about the life course... It really is one of the best things we do. I love it. This week, I, was, I had the privilege of being in a different group to uh, I have been the last couple of weeks. And, um, and the, the group was mainly made up of people who had been at River City Church for, for maybe three months, four months, something like that. And uh, as people were going around the table sharing their stories of church and, um, and of freedom, uh, they were meant, time and time again people were saying uh, that their, the amazing experiences they'd had after joining River City Church out of coming here, coming on a Sunday and experiencing freedom, coming here on a Sunday and experiencing healing, coming here on a Sunday and experiencing, most importantly of all, the presence of God here. And I just can't get enough of hearing those stories. I just cannot get enough of hearing uh, about people meeting Jesus, about people connecting with him. And it excites me, it gets me going, it gets me jazzed. Way more than the Jags are doing right now, but um, <laughs> they 're going to win today Amen, amen let 's we just pray, Lord no <laughs> uh, there 's not enough faith in this room for that <laughs> um, uh, anyway th- these things get me excited these, this is why I get up in the morning this is why I do what i do this is this is what i 'm I love about our church that people come and they meet and they experience Jesus and they experience freedom and healing. And our heart is at River City Church is we want more people to experience that. We want more people to engage in that and we don't want it to just be these Sundays. And we love these Sundays. We love these Sunday mornings. These are, this is, Annie describes it as date night with Jesus. This is like, this is awesome. We love Sundays, the, the presence of God here. But we want this, these experiences of freedom, of healing, of encounters with Jesus to spill out into our weeks, to spill out into our homes, to spill out into our workplaces and into Jacksonville, right? That, that's our heart is that um, the people of Jacksonville will meet God. The people of Jacksonville will engage uh, with Jesus and the Jags may win. And... Um, we have this question, this question. Uh, uh, last week, I, this is the second part of, um, of, of two parts. And, um, and uh, the first part was last week. And, the, and uh, the, the central question of these two talks is, do you want to be well? Do you want to be healthy? Do you want to have life to the full? And the answer to that should be yes. And um, what we're going to look at today is we're going to look at how we do that. So a little recap from last week. You know, it's like, you know, like when you watch the beginning of your favorite show and there's like a previously, previously, Previously on RCC um, <laughs> previously on RCC um, uh, last week we 're looking at john five we 're in this series of looking through the Gospel of John and we were looking at um, uh, the chap- chapter five of john 's gospel and it begins with with this uh, healing at the pool in Bethesda and what happens there is that Jesus uh, meets a guy and heals him, kind of normal stuff but there 's also a lot of other things going on in, in that story. Um, Jesus is, is talking to those who are spiritually blind, spiritually wounded, spiritually paralyzed, um, which is us as um, as uh, followers of Christ. And then he speaks his command, and his healing command heals. His commands are full of supernatural power. Jesus' commands are full of creativity and healing. And, um, and as he speaks his commands, um, the man is healed. But the command that he gave was get up, get up, take your bed and walk. And so what Jesus is doing there is that he is calling this man away from his comfort, away from the place where he feels safe, away from what he's known for 38 years and uh, draws him into a new life, okay? And we think that that's what God is doing with us here at River City Church. And so today I want to do a couple of things. I want to finish off that encounter because that encounter didn't finish where we left it. There's a little bit more and I want to look at that today and then I also want to look at how we feel like God is answering that question to us. How do we want to be well? So let's pray quickly. Holy Spirit, as we, uh, as we return to this story, would we see more of you today? Would we experience more of you today? Would we experience some of the power of your commands, the healing that is in your voice? Lead us, open our ears to hear today, we pray. Amen. Okay. Okay. So, let's go back to that story. Jesus has now healed the man, and we're going to pick up from that point at John 5, verse 10. It's going to come up on the screens. So, the Jews said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath, and it is not lawful for you to take up your bed. But he answered them, The man who healed me, that man said to me, Take up your bed and walk. They asked him, Who is the man who said to you, Take up your bed and walk? Now the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn, as there was a crowd in that place. Afterwards, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you are well. Sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. And this was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, My Father is working until now. And I am working. Right here in this part of uh, this chapter is the beginning of a bigger thing that's happening. And John is telling this big story of Jesus, the life of Jesus. And uh, right here is the beginning of something. And it's the beginning of Jesus' conflict with the religious leaders. Okay? So um, we have the first four chapters of John and then the next four chapters, 4, 5, 6, no, 5, 6, 7, and 8 these next uh, four chapters, five, six, seven, and 8, are primarily dealing with the beginning of Jesus' conflict with the religious leaders, ultimately leading to his death, okay, and the plot to kill him. And so that's the bigger story that is going on here. And that is the context of these chapters. And um, what we're going to look at we're going to look at that over the course of, um, as we continue to look through this gospel. What we're going to really hone in today is, uh, is one particular part of this chapter. And I want, really want to look at uh, what Jesus actually does here and how he does it. So I think there are things here for us to learn that we can take away. One of, one of the interesting things about this part following on from last week is that twice again we hear that phrase, take up your bed and walk. Twice again, so three times we've heard it now, okay? Three times we've heard that exact phrase, take up your bed and walk. And so it appears that John really wants us to, to hear that this is what Jesus is saying, and this is what he said, and this is how healing came. Take up your bed and walk. And I think he wants us to notice this for two reasons. The first is this, and I think the religious leaders are really interested in this for for two reasons. The first is the nature of the command, and the nature of the command was authoritative, right? It wasn't, okay, see how you're doing, you know, if you're feeling a little bit better, why don't you just test it out a little bit, why don't you go, you know, no, it's take up your bed and walk. There is a command, and it is done with authority, right? And so the religious leaders are interested in this, aren't they? Because there's this man who's speaking like he's God, who's speaking like he has the power of God, His commands are definitive and authoritative, and then they are powerful. It actually happens. It's not just a command that is said. There is power that backs up the command, yeah? And so the religious leaders are interested in this, and John wants us to notice these two things, that Jesus has the power to command, that he has the authority to command, and he backs it up with power. And Jesus' commands upset the established ways. They upset the comfortable. They upset those who know it all. And the ways of the religious. But there's one verse in particular I really want to hone in on. And that is verse 14. We're going to look at verse 14 in particular today. So skip it on to the next slide. So we can see verse 14. Notice quickly that Jesus, in, in, in uh, verse 13 that Jesus wi- uh, has withdrawn. And he's withdrawn away from the crowd. And he speaks to this man away from the crowd that had gathered in front of him whilst he was being healed because they were interested in the healing and he then approaches him uh, on his own or in, in in a way that is more secluded and verse 14 says this afterwards jesus found him in the temple and said to him you are well see you are well sin no more that nothing worse may happen to you and i want us to notice a few things here okay firstly is this jesus found the man okay Jesus found the man again. This is another ex- example of us seeing how compassionate Jesus is. How Jesus goes out of his way to pursue a person. How Jesus goes out of his way to pursue an individual. How Jesus goes out of his way to not just care about the physical healing, but the whole person. Right? This, is, this is who Jesus is. He's is compassionate. He is loving. He cares about your whole life. He cares about the whole thing. He cares about the whole deal. It's not just the one thing you're struggling with. He cares about it all, and he wants you to be well in every single way. Okay? This is who Jesus is. He wants you to be well. He wants you to be healthy. He wants you to have life to the full in every single way of your life. This is who Jesus is. And it's another example of his compassion and his care, both of, for us as individuals but also symbolically for us as a collective, as the people of God. So that's the first thing we notice again, that Jesus finds the man. The second is this, is that he begins by encouraging him. He says, see, you are well. Look, you're doing great. Look how you're doing. You're doing awesome. Well done. You're living. You're walking. You're moving. You're not at the pool. You're not you know, carrying your bed anymore. You, you are, you're living. You're healed. You're free. Look how you're doing. He encourages him. And then thirdly, the third thing I want us to notice. So Jesus finds him with compassion. He's compassionate towards him. He encourages him. And then the third thing is that he challenges him then okay and he challenges him and he says sin no more and he challenges him again with a command another command to obey God to align your life your whole life with God that's the command that comes here align your whole life with with God obey him sin no more to not just walk in the power but walk in the obedience yeah that's what Jesus is asking him to do. Not just to walk in the power, but to walk in the obedience. Right? And often we like to hear one, but not the other. We want to walk in the power, but not necessarily the obedience. And Jesus is challenging him here. And what I think is happening here is I think um, the, the, the gospel writer John is actually establishing a pattern. Okay? And we see this, not just in this example, we see it in a few other places. Okay? So if we think back, Uh, to the previous chapter, chapter 4, and the the story of the Samaritan woman that uh, uh, Tom spoke about a few weeks ago. Jesus does the same thing. So Jesus shows her compassion. And we know that because she says this thing. She says, "Um, How is it that you, a Jew, Um, are asking me, a Samaritan, for a drink because it's just not done. It's just not the thing. You know, she is clearly ostracized. She is clearly alone. People don't want to be around her. And Jesus makes a beeline for her. Jesus goes and finds her. Jesus is compassionate towards her, okay? So we see this pattern. Jesus is compassionate. The second thing, Jesus encourages her and they begin to have this conversation and, and um, he, he asks her where her husband is and she says, um, oh no, I don't have a husband. And he says, yes, you are right. You are right. You are right in what you say. You are telling the truth. You are a truthful person. You know, he encourages her and then he goes on to challenge her. This man is not your husband though, is he? You know, and, and encourage, and as you go back and listen to Tom's talk, great talk about um, uh, Jesus' challenge to live an obedient life, okay? So that's the first example. Then we get the one we've just seen at the healing of the pool, and then in chapter 8 of John, we see the same thing happen again. And this is the story of, um, it's called the, woman, uh, the story of the woman caught in adultery, okay? And what happens in that story is, is that there's a woman who's been caught in adultery and she's brought to Jesus, okay? And what Jesus does initially is that he moves towards her in compassion. He goes and he stands by her and he aligns um, himself with this woman who they are wanting to kill. They are wanting to kill. They're wanting to stone her. And Jesus aligns himself with this woman, okay? Stands by her and he defends her. He moves to her in compassion. And then after everyone's left, he, he says the famous thing, you know, he who has no sin, let him cast the first stone, and of course none of them can say that, none of them can do that, and so they all leave, okay? And eventually it's just Jesus and her. And when it's just Jesus and her, he encourages her. He says, um, does anyone here condemn you? And she says, no. And he says, well then neither do I. I do not condemn you. I accept you. I love you. I welcome you. I encourage you. I affirm you. And then Jesus goes on to challenge her and says the same thing, the same phrase go and sin no more. Now walk in obedience. Now align your whole life with God. So, this is the pattern we see John establishing, okay? I know I'm going fast, but I want to get to what we want to get to. Jesus is compassionate, he moves towards you with compassion, number one. Number two, he encourages. Number three, he challenges. Yeah? This is how Jesus operates. And you see the context that all of those happen. The context that those happen is not in the crowd. It's not in the crowd. Jesus deliberately goes away, away from the crowd to meet the Samaritan woman. Jesus deliberately goes away from the bigger gathering, the bigger setting in the temple and meets uh, the guy at the healing at the pool and, and gets him on his own to say these challenging things, to say these encouragements. And again, he waits until all the Pharisees and all the religious people have left, and it's just him and the woman, and it, to encourage her, to show her compassion, and to challenge her. And the challenge comes where? It comes in a private place. The challenge comes in that private place. And so, this central question that we're looking at in this uh, chapter, chapter 5, is, do you want to be well? Do you want to be healthy? Do you want to have life to the full? And if you do, if you do want to be well, if you do want to be healthy, if you do want to have life to the full, then you need to be in a place. You need to be in a physical place, a physical situation where you can hear Jesus' words to you, Jesus' movement of compassion to you, his words of encouragement and affirmation and acceptance in your life, and you need to be able to hear his challenge as well right? If you want to be well, if you want to be healthy, you need to be in a place where you can hear his compassion, you can feel loved and accepted, you can hear his encouragement, see you are well, see, you're doing good, you're doing well, keep going. You're okay. And But you can also hear his challenge. Now sin no more, now go and align your life with God, now walk in obedience as well as power. And that Challenge to walk with him is to follow him in everywhere, everywhere and in in every way he wants to go. That's the challenge, to sin no more, is to follow him in everywhere he wants to go and every way he wants to lead you. So, at River City Church, we've been doing um, these things that we've called city groups for the last year. And uh, we kicked them off about a year ago. And we didn't make a huge deal about it. We didn't make a huge splash about it. We wanted it to be something that grew. And growing things don't get launched. Growing things grow. And um, so we started small. We started small. And so we had a handful of groups. And we've had a handful of groups that have been running the last year or so. And we're really excited about how these groups have developed and how they've grown. And we're really excited about how these groups are doing those things that Jesus did. That these groups that we've had up and running are places of acceptance, places of compassion, places where you can be known and you can be loved and you can belong. There are places where you can be encouraged in your faith. There are places where you can also be challenged to live and walk in obedience. And and, and we now, as the leadership of Riverside Church and, and, and me and my role as uh, as heading up discipleship, we really feel like it's this is the time right now. After you know, we've been doing this for a year, but we want to. Our heart is for more and more people to belong to these groups. Our heart is for more and more people to get excited about this, to get into a place where they can uh, receive the compassion and the encouragement and the challenge of Jesus. This is about these groups are about wholeness. These groups are about maturity. These groups are about meeting. Jesus they're about life to the full so what are city groups city groups are small groups of people maybe as few as eight or uh, or maybe a lot bigger depending on how big uh, a living room is uh, that you can meet in we um, they meet in people's homes uh, and they are committed to one another these groups are committed to one another Everybody wants community. You'll hear, you know, if you read Christian things, you read uh, books, you read blogs, stuff about uh, Christianity, but also if you read wider things, everybody these days wants community, right? Everybody wants community. We appreciate that we live in this individualistic kind of selfish society and we realize that that's not really that good for us, you know, in hasn 't taken a genius to work that out. Most people uh, realizing that that we live in this very individualistic, selfish society, and so there 's this growing hunger for community in our world, not just in the church, but in the world. There 's a growing hunger to connect, there 's growing hunger for community. there 's growing hunger to have the kind of relationships that generations before always had, but we don 't seem to. Because of our kind of consumerism, because of our kind of ability to travel and to disconnect and um, TV and, you know, we don't ever talk to each other anymore. All all these things that, you know, you've probably heard um, or read about a thousand times. Everybody wants community, but nobody wants commitment. Everybody wants community, but nobody wants commitment. And so what these city groups are is they are groups of people who are committed to each other. That we're going to be committed to meet. We're going to be committed to love one another. We're going to be committed to pray. Everybody wants community, but nobody wants commitment. And so what we've done is we've shaped these groups in a way that you need to be committed. You need to turn up. You need to be there. You need to, to belong. That's the only way it works. It's not just another thing to attend. It's not just another thing you can drop in and out of. It is a way of belonging. In our church. And so, what do these groups do? They worship together, they pray together, they study the Bible together, they love one another, they have meals together, they uh, have fun together. What do we want these groups to be? We want them to be a place where you are accepted, okay? We want these groups, we want city groups to be a place where you belong. We want city groups to be a place where you belong where you know that there is a place every week you can go to and you can be loved. You can be accepted. That you can belong. You can feel like family. Most of us don't have enough of that in our lives. They can, we want them to be a place where you are encouraged. Where you can go and people will say, good on you, keep going, well done in your faith. Keep on it. Keep focused. Keep fixed. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Look, you're doing great. Look at where you were and look at where you are now. See you are well, as Jesus says. See you are well. You're doing great. We want these to be a place. We want these city groups to be a place where your dreams and passions are known and heard and remembered. Okay, so we want these groups to be a place where you're sharing your stories, your histories, your pasts. You know, So you know each other, you know uh, the story, but not just that. We want people to be able to share their future desires. This is what I long to see. This is what I want to be. This is the career I want to take. This is the ministry I want to have. This is how I want my family to be. These are the dreams that I carry in my heart. This is the music I want to make, the art I want to create, the people I want to help. And most of us, what we do is, um, and you can't share these dreams on a Sunday, right? There's just no way of doing it. You can maybe take over testimony time, but we'll probably shut you down. You know, you can't, there's no place to just share this just on a Sunday. So who in your life, who in this body, who in this community knows your dreams, knows the things you're passionate about, knows the things that God has been saying to you and speaking to you, and knows these things, these visions that God has placed inside your heart? Because inside of that, inside of those visions and those dreams and those hungers and those ministries and those careers and and all that art that God has put inside of this church, inside this body, in that lies the destiny of this church and the destiny of Jacksonville. Within those dreams is the destiny of Jacksonville. Okay, And we need places where we can share those and get them open and and have people who we know are going to be praying for us, who we know are going to be hearing from God for us who know who they're going to stand by us as we pursue the things that God has spoken to us. Who here is over-encouraged? Right? Who here is over-encouraged? Pop your hands. I want a quick uh... Yes, Peter's over-encouraged. Good. I knew this. There was always one, isn't there? You just There's always one. No one feels over encouraged, do they? No one feels overly blessed. No one feels like they couldn't do with people who are praying for them, loving them, who know their hearts, know their dreams, and who are longing to see them happen on your behalf. And also, you get to hear other people's dreams, and you get to be inspired, and you get to be a part of someone else's dreams and so when they win when they start their business when they make their album when they start the ministry you get to rejoice in that you get the victory of that you get the the kingdom of see the kingdom of god come and just coming on a sunday you you won't get that that you can't get that on a sunday that doesn't exist on a sunday here as much as we would love it to you you can't you have to be connected you have to be in community and committed relationships. The other thing we want people to do is we want people to learn their gifts. This, this, you, can't, you can't work out what your spiritual gifts are in a place like this, but you can in a smaller group with people who know you say, I see this in you. I see that you're an evangelist. I see that you are you know, a prophet. I see that you are a teacher and a pastor. I see that in you. And you need people who can tell you that. You need to be in a place and a situation where you can hear that encouragement. So if if you're eager in any way to learn your spiritual gifts, you're eager in any way to learn your talents and to learn how God wants you to use them, then City Groups is the place for you. And thirdly, we we want City Groups to be a place of challenge. We want them to be a place where you can hear those words of Jesus, sin no more, be obedient to God. And not just, and when we hear sin no more, we kind of hear stop what you're doing. Stop that bad thing you're doing, right? And we do need to hear that, okay? And City Groups is is a much better environment to hear that than me standing on stage telling you. Because I don't know all of you. I don't know your pasts. I don't know your history. So I can't tell you all what you shouldn't be doing. You know, you need people who know you, who love you, who are close to you. But it isn't just about sinning no more. It isn't just about stopping the thing you're doing. It's also about starting the things you should be doing. It's about your whole life being in obedience to God. It's about your whole life walking with God. And so we want the challenge of these groups not just to be, okay, you need to stop sinning, but it needs to be also, are you praying for the sick? Are you praying for your neighbors? Are you loving generously? Are you giving generously? Are you living a life in a way that is generous to others, that is blessing people? Are you living your life in a way that's encouraging others? Are you forgiving your family? Are you forgiving your friends? Are you forgiving people? And it's not just about stop doing this. It's about your whole life being in obedience to God. And I can't do it on my own. I I, I know I can't do it just here on a Sunday and receive here and then my quiet time there needs to be another place I need people God has designed us to be a body together connected he describes us as a body uh, in um, the way Paul describes us um, in um, Corinthians and also in Ephesians is as a body as a people connected that we are all parts of a body and without one part the body does not work you on your own are just one part of the body. You need to be connected to other parts of the body, committed together in order to work and function the way you were made to work and function. And you, w- you won't be able to work and function without that connection in some way. And w- we would love for that to be city groups. It's our heart that people would join these. Often use this analogy when I'm talking about the church of, of like a fire, like coals in a fire. And a coal will only stay hot whilst it's connected and touching the other coals in a fire, right? As soon as you take a coal away, it just immediately begins to get cold. Immediately begins to to die down. And we are the same. When we're isolated and we're on our own, it's so hard for us to stay on fire. It's so hard for us to stay alive because we were made to be together. We were made to keep each other on fire. We were made to kind of encourage and build up and love each other. There are, lots of, there are lots of reasons to stop you joining a group, okay? And we're not going to make anyone join a group. I mean, we're not going to make you, force you. We're not going to say you're not a member of this church unless you come to a group, right? We're not going to do that. It's just not who we are. But it is our desire and our heart that you would. And there are lots of practical reasons that would stop you from doing this, okay? Because we're busy, aren't we? I mean, we want you to do life course, we want you to do pre ministry training, we want you to do this, that, the other, we want you to serve, we want you to you know, uh, spend time with your friends and your family and your neighbours, we want you to do lots and lots and lots of things, right? That's what we do, we stand up every week and we ask you to do lots and lots of things, that's what church does, right? Okay, so well, great, that's another thing, another thing I have to do every week, okay? But I hope you don't feel that way. I hope you don't feel like this is just another thing. I hope that you see the life that can come from this. And there are lots of reasons why you wouldn't do it. For example, uh, me and my wife, Emily, we've been uh, leading a group uh, for the last 18 months, okay? And there are seven families in our group, okay? And in our seven families, we have 18 children, okay? Uh, Admittedly, 16 of them are mine, um, but... (laughs) uh, Only four. Uh, But we have 18, we now have 18. We we had a new, uh, Jennifer and James had... Had a new one, so we've, we've, got, um, we've got 18 uh, children in our family. So that means when we meet together, we can't do anything productive, right? So we meet together, and, and we try. We try kicking off, we tried it this way. We tried meeting every week, all of us together, all the kids and everything. And guess what? We uh, didn't really get much done, did we? <laughs> we uh, we, um, we tried to pray, we tried to read the Bible together, we tried to worship together, and we were just always out doing the kids, you know. And we got babysitters in, and there just aren't enough babysitters in the world for eighteen children. So, um, so we we decided that we, you know we need to, we are committed to doing this. Okay, we're going to do this. We need this. We need to be doing this, and so we're going to make a way to, for it to happen. And so, what we decided to do, we just changed up the way we did our group, and so once one Sunday a week, okay, one Sunday afternoon a week, we all meet together, all the kids, and we just take over one house, and um, that house is never the same, and um, uh, we're all together, and we just, we do a cookout, or we do potluck, and we just enjoy each other's company, we enjoy each other's children, and we join each other's families, and we connect, and uh, we do community together, okay, we do life together, right, so that's one a, a month, okay, then the next week we meet on a tuesday night and just the guys meet together so all the guys and the group meet together and we get together we talk we pray we do that stuff okay then the following week the girls do the same thing so that all the girls meet together so we haven't had to have any babysitters so far right all children accounted for and then one sunday a month uh what we do is uh we all decide that we, oh sorry, one um, Tuesday a month, we all decide what we're going to do is get babysitters and then we're all going to meet together. We're all going to, you know, so our kids are are at where they're at and we're going to meet together, we're going to pray, we're going to worship, study the Bible together, okay? And so that really has worked fantastically for our group and it's overcome this problem of, this practical problem of uh, kids. Um, um, I didn't actually mean that to sound like that, but... Kind of how it is, though, isn't it? Um, <laughs> you know, and because it's a real thing. If you're a parent of 16 kids like I am, you, you, it's difficult to find the time and the space and the energy to do it. So, but, but this is the thing. If God has called us, his command comes with the creative power to make it happen. Right? This is what we're learning. This is what we're learning. This is what we see in the scripture. When God commands us, when God wants us to do something, it comes with the creative power to make it happen. And so this is how it's rolling for us. We have some groups that meet every week and that you know they don't have kids and so they're fine. We have other groups that have less kids than us, which is most groups. And uh, they might get a babysitter and get their kids to look after their, their group every week. We have some groups that meet on Sundays. We have some groups that meet uh, Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursday nights. We, we can make this happen. We, you can join a group if you want to. We would love for you to do that. If Jesus is leading you, he will make a way for, you, for it to happen, okay? And we're committed to helping you come up with ideas of, of, of getting into these groups and making it happen. And we really want these to be places where you can thrive. And so on your, on your, um, on your chairs, as, as you've noticed, there is a card, okay? And We have a welcome table outside, okay? And on our welcome table outside, we have cards for all sorts of things, okay? Today, there aren't any city groups cards on that table. They're all in here. All right because we want people to sign up who are interested. If this is if if this is exciting, if you're if you're listening to this thinking I need that in my life and I need to do that for other people, okay? This is the other thing, right? This is the other thing. There are people in our church who naturally do this. There are people in the church who naturally have a kind of mature community of friends where you're just loving each other and blessing each other and you're doing this stuff without it's not called a city group, you're just friends. You know, and that's awesome. We love that. But there are people here who are dying. There are people here in this room today who are dying because they're lonely, because they're desperate. And we hear stories like this all the time that they need to connect. They need to find people. And so we need these groups. We need to have these groups so people can connect. And I'm not, I'm not cool with there being people in our body, in our church. I'm not cool with there being people in our body and in our church who are lonely and who are desperate. I'm not cool with that. Right? Right? I hope you're not cool with that either. And you want to do something about it, okay? And this is one way we can do it. So the more of these groups we can have, the, the less that can be a story we hear. And so there are pens uh, on your, in your chairs as well. So what I want you to do, and we're just going to take a minute now, and you can, I'm going to waffle on whilst you do this, right? Okay? Just keep on going. Um, continue as I've started. And uh, you can do that now. If you're interested in signing a group, if you've already filled one of these out, you've already done it on the welcome table before, you don't need to do this. If you've already sent me an email saying you want to join a group, you don't need to do this. We're, we're on it. We've got it. We're good to go. Okay? If we've already had a conversation about this, you don't need to do this. If, But if you're not, if you've, ne- if you've never filled this out and you're hungry to do so, then do it. What will just happen then? Someone throw a pen at me? Oh. Um... this isn't a we're not gonna you don't have to do this right but we would love you to the other thing is is that we have lots of people who want to be in groups but not loads of leaders or people who are willing to host and so if you're willing to host or lead write that on your card as well this is the other thing we, we've, had, um, we've had like five groups going over the last year and we're, we're in the middle of launching. By the end of this year, we'll have maybe about seven or eight new groups, okay? And so there are various leaders who, of these new groups that are going around and asking people to join their groups. And you know, if, if, if you've been asked to join a group, then think about it. Do it. Sign up. Try it out. Do you know Do you know what i 'm excited about people People often say, say this to me they 're like what's david what 's your vision for city groups you know because this is my responsibility at church and they ask me what 's your vision for city groups and I, f- I find that a hard question to answer because my vision isn 't for city groups i mean city groups are, are they're a means of doing something my vision is for the people of God, the people of River City Church to live life to the full. That's my vision. My vision is for you to thrive. My vision is for you to see, come into your world, into your life, the dreams and visions that God has uh, put upon you and your life. Is for you to uh, release the destiny of Jacksonville. My, my heart and my vision is for the kingdom of God to come to this city. My vision is for life and love to the full. And this is one way we're going to do this. It really is just one way we're going to do this. Right. Oh yeah. Okay, let's stand.